All right, good evening, everybody. Find a table, find a seat. Grab a cup of coffee. It's great to be with you guys tonight. Let's give it up for uh, Foss and his brother Gabe in worship. <laughs> I like, I love worship so much, and I was just worshiping there. And I have to admit, you know, I came here with a heavy heart. You know, I was probably from watching too many YouTube videos of the end of the world. But I love that worship. Kind of places our hope back on the back on the Christ. You know, because I don't know if you guys realize this, but God is shaking everything in the world. He's shaking everything that can be shaken. Um, even though we're in a time of grace, he's shaking many things. And yet, we're a part of a kingdom that is unshakable. As, as I was talking with Kim, you know, we're a part of a kingdom that's unshakable, the church. And even if the world is um, falling apart, even if this chaos is abounding, kingdoms are, are being pulled down, that the church is, is going to rise up and be the hope for this world. <clears throat> I wrote here, it says, only what, is not, only what is not built upon the rock has to fear the shaking. And so only what's not built upon the rock is going to fear the shaking. But if you build upon the rock, if your faith and hope is upon the rock, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid at all. In fact, you get to offer hope to a dead and dying world. And that's the purpose of why we're here. That's the purpose of why we're here, so forget about being raptured. <laughs> that's not a joke either. That's true. <laughs> it's true. But um, I'm encouraged. You know, I kind of, I kind of was going to go a different direction with the message. I wanted to talk about pigeons and doves and hosting the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is which is awesome, learning how to live with the Holy Spirit of God. But I think God kind of shifted me into a different, different direction for this, for this message. He, he wanted me to focus on this idea of, of battlefield promotion. And what battlefield promotion is, if I, I was looking in the dictionary, is the idea, a battlefield promotion or field promotion is the advancement in military rank that occurs, that occurs while deployed in combat. And so taking this, in a sense, for the kingdom, it's this idea that promotion or advancement in the kingdom of God comes when we're in the battle, when we're on the battlefield. Now, this is kind of new to me, in a sense. I mean, I've, you've probably heard of James, of where it says, consider all joy when you face trials of, of various kinds. But it's this, it's this paradigm in which, in which God wants us to, to grow us, to give us what we need, to, to give us more power, grace, and authority. And it's not in, the, in a vacuum, but it's actually while being on the battlefield. And I was reading a, a quote by someone, and he, and he commented how, you know, the Bible wasn't written in some ivory tower. It wasn't written in some academic or religious institute or in a monastery tucked away in some picturesque, picturesque hills. It was actually written um, 
by the Holy Spirit through people who, who lived um, everyday lives. It was written by people who went into exile, people who were persecuted, people who were, um, had to fight battles, people that had to lead people, you know, like Moses, leading people out of Egypt, out of slavery. It was written by people that faced everyday life. And that's this idea of that advancement or promotion comes only from the battle, only from being on the battlefield. You know, we get this sense of, you know, I know a lot of people are very spiritual these days, they're, they're searching, and there's this idea of kind of finding peace and, and hoping that, you know, that life is, is going to be this, like, you know, our, our idea of the picturesque spirituality is like life just kind of being this, this like, flat line, you know, this, this where nothing is, you know, you have no issues, you have no problems, you have none of that, but in fact, you read in the Bible, it's like, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't at all what spirituality was. It was David, you know, coming back and finding that all his family and, and everybody's family had been taken, you know, they, by the Amalekites, and crying out to God, God, what should we do? And everybody wanting to stone him, wanting to attack him because they were out um, fighting other battles, and then they come back to this thing, and, and yet David strengthens himself in the Lord, and the Lord tells him what to do. And so it's just this idea of, um, <clears throat> I know I'm kind of rambling, but it's just this idea of like finding God, finding peace amidst the storm, amidst the battle, amidst the hardship, the oppression. And that's what we're going to see tonight in the passage of Paul explaining a little bit of this paradox of, of facing pressures, of facing perplexing or confusing situations, persecution being knocked down and yet having the spirit of God and being able to find peace, being able to have the, the grace not to quit, not to be crushed, not to be forsaken. And so we're going to start with this um, passage in 2 Corinthians 4. If you guys want to stand with me, we're going to get dive right into this. We're just going to read verse 7. <clears throat> This is Paul. He says, We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Let us pray. Father God, I pray, Lord, that we would know the glory, this, this treasure, this Holy Spirit, the hope that you've placed in us, Lord. Even though that we're ordinary and often, oftentimes that we're weak and frail, Lord, that people would see the glory that we carry, God, that we would see the, the supernatural spring forth from the natural, Lord. And when they see it, they would know it's not from us, but from you. And so I pray, God, pray for fresh revelation tonight, Lord, that people will receive a message from you, that they would hear what they need to hear, whether it's encouragement or, or um, something else, Lord. And so we just come together and we honor your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So he starts with this illustration of us just being a clay pot or clay jar, which really signifies something that's fragile, something that's easily broken, something that is common. And yet he, he explains that we contain this treasure inside of us. We get to carry this glorious treasure. It's the way that God has chosen to do so. It's kind of, it's interesting. You know, if you watch these superhero movies, you see like Superman, all these 
these people with great powers, and you think, how come God, how come you didn't do that, right? How come you didn't make me like a Captain America and I can just go and plow through any situation, any battle, and just not even break a sweat? Well, he didn't decide to do that. He decided to use regular people because when someone sees an average Joe, average Jane person getting, you know, making it through something extremely difficult, they can attribute that it wasn't that person's power, it was of God. And I want to start with this question in our table and get us thinking is, um, for our table talk is how do we live our lives in such a way that this treasure is on display? And so go ahead. I'll give you guys maybe two or three minutes real quick on this question. How do we live our lives in such a way that this treasure is on display? All right. Let's bring it back together. So I'm sure you guys shared many different Many different ways. Maybe it's through a smile. Maybe it's stopping for a person, buying lunch for another person, doing, thinking of somebody else, texting someone, praying for somebody. But I kind of wrote, which is kind of a blanket covering, is that faith is the means by which the ordinary can display the extraordinary. It's through our faith. It's through when people see faith. And if you think about it, the moments that you need the most faith is often the moment where people actually see or that the, that the Holy Spirit or the treasure inside of us is revealed. And to be honest, that's not always comfortable, right? It wasn't comfortable for Daniel to be in the middle of a lion's head when there was a bunch of lions wanting to eat him. And yet we get this amazing story of how he prevailed, how God protected him, right? It's a great, it's, it makes for a great story unless you're the one in the lion's den. And, and so Paul kind of talks about this, this paradox in a sense of like death being at work in us so that the life of Jesus can be displayed or revealed in us. It's so that the ex- extraordinary can be on display. And oftentimes, it's not in, in comfortable situations. It's, it's in fact when we're facing the giant, we're facing the battle, we're facing the lion's den, facing the furnace or facing persecution. And so we pick up in verse eight, it says, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then, death is at work in us but releases life in you. And so he explains this paradox and I made a list. Right? These are list of all the things that we face, you know, and I talked about this earlier, having pressure, pressure, or being perplexed, confused by life, being persecuted, maybe by our family, maybe friends at work or or feeling out of place, being knocked down. Sometimes life just knocks you down. Or even how he was saying, being handed over to death, as Paul faced death numerous times of being shipwrecked, of being stoned, of being uh, intensely Persecuting. So on one hand, in the natural, you're facing all of these, I call it the perfect storm, right? You're, you're facing the perfect storm in the natural. And yet, because we have God's spirit, somehow, some way, we're not crushed. 
when there's pressure, that we're not going to quit when we're confused and don't know what to do. We're not going to feel abandoned or forsaken when we're persecuted. We're not going to be out of the game, even, or, or the Spirit's going to pick us back up when we're knocked down. And in fact, when we face death, that the resurrection life is revealed. And now that's not fun to be faced maybe with the perfect storm. Maybe you can think of a time in your life where it seemed all these elements um, that you faced, all these elements, or maybe even one of them or two of them. But to face this is very difficult. And from a human perspective, tests are painful. Tests are painful. We don't like them. We don't like it when things are chaotic in our life or, or confusing. And many of us, we kind of run from this. You know, when this kind of happens, we, we were like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Like, this is not what I signed up for. And in fact, I kind of want to run from this. But what these things mean is that God wants to promote us to a greater level. And these are the means by which he promotes us to the greater level. You see, every time we're opposed or attacked, God is giving the opportunity to receive more grace, to receive more favor so that we can overcome the opposition and so that we can learn to be an overcomer and victorious in him. And this quote from John Paul Jackson, I really like what he was saying. It says that chaos is God's intricate plan to bring about new things in your life. Think about that. Chaos is God's intricate plan to bring about things in your life. Maybe when you're 13 years old, you wrote down the plan for your life, and you had all these dreams and, and uh, the way that it was going to happen, and you found out at a certain time in life it, it maybe it didn't happen, or you started seeing opposition. And, and sometimes God allows that divine chaos so that you'd stop trusting in your own agenda and finally trust Him. And so there is such thing as divine chaos or confusion that can happen. He allows it sometimes so that we can trust him and that we can learn to, <clears throat> to seek him in that place. But the thing is, is how do we deal with chaos? The way that we handle these difficulties is the key to success. If we keep doing things or trying doing things in our own way, then we're going to just end up being on the same road, the same path, the same results. But if we turn to God and we trust him during the chaos, when, we, when, we, um, when faith rises up, then we're going to see him move on our behalf, and he's going to help us to overcome. And so we get this choice between faith and fear. I don't know if you guys know this, but fear is the opposite of faith. It's not unbelief, because usually when we're fearful, you'll get to a place of unbelief. But the opposite of faith is fear, and we're going to talk about that later, just about how fear imprisons us while faith actually gives us um, the ability to release the grace to advance. And so Paul, he continues, he attributes his faith, because he talks about all, being persecuted, all these things happening, and, but he's going to attribute his faith that Jesus Christ is going to raise him up, that, and that was his source of strength, even though he faced death continually in his ministry he says in verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believe, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe, then speak in faith. We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him. 
and together we will all be brought into his presence. Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that the more, so that more of God's marvelous grace will spread to more and more people, resulting in an even greater increase of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. And so he writes about this, about first I believe, then I spoke in faith. That's from Psalms 116.10. And this is David. I'll, I'll read the rest of it because it doesn't necessarily make so much sense. But he says, I believed even when I said I am severely afflicted. This is David. A place where he's being severe, severely afflicted and yet proclaiming faith, proclaiming confidence in God. I'm sure everybody here has been in a difficult situation. Everybody knows how difficult it is to cling to God in those situations. But like I was saying, faith releases greater grace to other people um, during these hardships. In fact, the breakthrough can be the spark for another person's breakthrough. And I was thinking about this because he says this in verse 15. He says, not only is this for our enrichment, but God wants to actually um, share or spread this grace to other people so that they encounter what you're encountering. And I wanted to kind of think of a story or find a story that, that talked about that. And there's this great story in Samuel 13, or Samuel 14, 1 Samuel 14, and it's about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And I'm not going to read this story. I might just, um, I'm just going to recap it. But Jonathan gets a wild hair. He has this crazy idea. Um, you know, he's got, he was going to attack this Philistine garrison. And, and so he tells his armor bearer this plan. He's like, you know what? The, the Lord, it doesn't matter if it's just the two of us. It doesn't matter if it's a hundred of us. The Lord will, can, will deliver our enemies into our hand. And he, he can, the battle belongs to him, and he's the one that is in charge of that. So, and so he had this crazy idea. There was this encampment on the other side of a ravine. So him and his armor bearer, they decide, okay, we're going to go up to the camp, and we're going to see if the Lord delivers them into our hands, just the two of them. And so if you think about it, this plan is absolutely crazy because they scale these cliffs, they climb up the other side, and then they even, you know, they, they're, they're seen coming, and so they're, they're fighting from, they're fighting from a down, you know, downhill position. It's not a surprise attack. There's only the two of them. It's, it seems absolutely crazy. They're outnumbered, and yet he just had this kind of wild idea or wild faith that, well, it doesn't really matter. And yet what happens is, is tremendous because him and his armor bearer, um, they killed 20 guys. They killed 20 guys, and then there's a panic that spreads through the Philistine camp. They're like, what's going on here? And then there was an earthquake, and then God showed up, and he started fighting on the behalf of, of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And so the whole atmosphere shifted because of the faith of Jonathan and his armor bearer. But that's not the whole story, because what happens is that other people recognize what's going on. You know, the, the things were at a standstill, and yet Saul and the rest of the army and some other people recognize that, wait a minute, like God is fighting on, on, the, on their behalf, and there's some breakthrough going on right here, and I want to read the scripture because what happens is that it says that Hebrews from who had joined the Philistines started to join the battle fighting against the Philistines, so these, these guys are like had joined the other camp, and they, they came back. 
And then even those who were hiding in the hill country because they were terrified, they came back and joined the battle too. It says there were Hebrews from the area who had gone earlier into the camp to join the Philistines, right? They started dressing like Philistines, acting like Philistines, even though they were Hebrews. But then they joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelite men who had been hiding in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they also joined Saul and Jonathan in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day. That's kind of crazy, right? You get this wild idea that you're going to fight an enemy who vastly outnumbers you from at, a disadva- at a disadvantage, and yet the, the Lord honors it. And what happens is not only are you getting the victory, other people who had joined the other side, and they decide to come back, and even those who were too afraid to fight, they come and fight. And so there's, there's something about how in times of battle that sometimes um, our faith is going to release grace to other people, right? It's going to release the grace or the, or the courage for other people to rejoin the fight who maybe had quit or they even joined the other side. It's going to give them the courage or the strength to pick up their sword and the fight again on the right team. And so our victory can become a stepping stone for someone else's victory so that God will get more glory. And that's what he's talking about. You know, it's not just about us or about our victory. God wants it to be our victory together. And so I went at our tables. I was thinking, you know, we should, um, we should share. And this is kind of what I wanted to share. So what was something difficult that you had to overcome, whether recent or past? And how did God's grace get you through that difficulty? And so I want to do this where it's an encouragement to everybody. And you can share this, whether recent or past. And, and I want to spend some time on this because I think this is important of sharing how God's grace got us through that difficulty. Go ahead. All right, you guys can wrap that up. I hope you guys know how powerful a testimony is because I think sometimes we feel like we can't share the hard stuff going on in our lives or, or the real struggle. But the thing is, is our, our testimony could, could literally be somebody's uh, stepping stone for the breakthrough. Hearing what, how God moved in our life can, can be the spark that, that allows them to, to see breakthrough in their life. And that's one of the mechanisms that God uses. You know, where people can hear that we're just an ordinary person facing the impossible, and yet God shows up. It can release tremendous breakthrough. And that's all of us, even leaders. You know, all, I think all of us leaders are, have been going through tough stuff, difficult things. You know, we're, we're in that boat with you guys as well. We face things just like that as well, the ordinary, the, the stuff in life. But um, I want to continue and kind of uh, cruise along that um, a lot of biblical conquerors, not only, you know, we talked about Jonathan, his armor bearer, but there's other biblical conquerors in the Bible or, or mighty men, mighty women who understood this idea of that God promotes on the battlefield. And I'm not going to read the story. Everybody knows the story of David Goliath. If you don't, it's a great story. It's in 1 Samuel 17. But I was reading this story, and what was really interesting is that here's this giant standing in the valley, absolutely terrifying all the men. Everybody was afraid. And yet here's this shepherd boy, and he, and he comes you know, to deliver some cheese and some food to his brothers. And, and, and yet his posture was completely different than the other people. 
And this is what he says, right? He, he was talking to some of the men, and it says, David spoke to the men who are standing with them, and he asked this question, what will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? So you can already tell that he was pretty confident that he was not afraid. In fact, he was asking. He was not even worried about the battle. He was actually asking, like, so what's the reward? What can I get from this? And you, you see the difference, right? Some were absolutely afraid. They didn't want to fight him. And here's this young kid that's like, well, shoot, like, what's the reward? Like, the battle's not going to be the hard thing. I, I just want to know what I'm going to get. You know, there's another story, too, but we don't have time. So Joshua and Caleb, but they talk about how when they saw the giants and everybody was afraid, they actually said that the people of this land are like bread for us, that we're going to eat them for breakfast. In fact, they're going to strengthen us because, because of what God is working with us. And so you see a lot of this, this attitude of that. They're, they weren't afraid of the battle. They weren't afraid of the conflict or what was happening. In fact, they, they embraced it and they realized that something better was on the other side. A reward or something greater was on the other side. But I wanted to share real quick about this key to victory. You know, I talked about um, facing the battle, embracing it, seeing the other side of it. But this one key that's really important is understanding the difference between fear and faith. As I was speaking earlier about how faith, our fear is the opposite of faith. And in order to win battles, we need faith. Fear and faith cannot exist in their fullness in the same place at the same time. It's either one or the other. One, one or the other is going to rule your heart. One or the other is going to rule your life. In fact, both are the belief, this is interesting, both are the belief that something that hasn't happened is going to happen. Fear and faith. Both are the belief that something that hasn't happened is going to happen. And here's the difference. Fear is the expectation of something bad and faith is the expectation of something good. So they're, they're both the same in a sense, but the expect, the, what they're expecting is different. In fact, I've heard it said that fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. Fear operates just like faith, but in the kingdom of darkness, which is even um, more surprising. I don't want to get into that, but oftentimes when we're bound by fear, it can not only imprison you, but it can also empower the counsel of hell against you so that the enemy can still kill and destroy in your life. So it's faith in the wrong kingdom. And the thing is, is that one is going to cancel each other out. One is going to neutralize the other because one only exists at the center of a person's life. While faith is the quiet trust in God for your breakthrough, fear is going to keep you imprisoned. It's going to keep you hiding. It's going to maybe even like some of those Philistines, right? They start looking like the world or looking like the enemy. And so it's either one or the other. And it's important to know that because all these mighty men of valor, all these women in the Bible, people of great faith, they, they had this quiet trust in God. And so I want you guys to think about what are some of the, what are some of the, we don't have time for this table talk, but what are some of the expectations that have been influencing you, if you think about it? What have you been expecting to happen? Have you been expecting something bad to happen for have you been expecting something good to happen? Expecting that God is going to deliver you out of your trouble, that, 
that there's going to be a shift or, or something that's going to happen. Because if you think about it, it's, it's so important. It's so important to, to, so that you can advance, so you can receive the promotion that God wants to do in your life. So what are those expectations? It's very powerful to think about. And even me, like even today or, or the last night, you know, it's just so easy to like hear the news or, or see something or hear a bad report and then to start expecting the bad and, and getting kind of a lens only seeing the bad, only seeing the negative, only seeing you know, what, the thing that, that you don't want to happen instead of something that, something good, expecting God to work through the chaos, expecting God to uh, show up and impart strength and impart grace in the hardship. And so it's, it's very important, but I just want to close with this, as I know it's getting late. It says, so no, so no wonder we don't give up, for even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our, our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison. And we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is the unseen realm is eternal. And I, I love the, I'm not gonna talk about this whole passage, but that word renewal in verse 16, I looked up that word, and, and renewal is not just survival, it's actually moving from one stage to a higher, more developed one. It's, it's actually getting something better. So even though the outer person is facing is facing the confusion, facing the pressure, facing the persecution. The inner being is being renewed, moving from one stage to the higher. I know some of you guys have heard God takes us from glory to glory or glory to greater glory. And what I heard from a, actually a, a preacher, he was saying that you know God takes us from glory to glory. You know, you think of it like a mountain. You know, he wants to take us from this level of glory to, to this level of glory. And oftentimes, we want to take the scenic route, right, and take the, the gondola ride up to the top of the mountain from down here, right? It's like, okay, God, I, I can't wait for the promotion. Yes, I know you're promoting me. I know you're giving me something great in this season. You know, give me that gondola ride. And so, you know, we think, like, in our man-made way, like, just build a bridge or give me a gondola ride. Make it easy for me. And yet, the only way in the kingdom of God to get from this glory to the greater glory is through the valley, and so our life isn't a straight line. Our life is more like this. You start like this. You hit, you hit that peak, you go back down. You hit a higher peak, you go back down. Then you get to the higher peak, and you go back down. He takes us from glory to glory. And the only way is through the valley. It's, and the valley is where the giants are. The valley is, is where the battles are. The battles, the, the valley is where the darkness is. The valley is where the enemies are. But yet it's that valley, it's that testing that's going to produce what you need to get to the, the top of that next mountain, the top of the next place that we want to go. And that's hard. You know, I know I wish I could offer a shortcut. As I was studying, I was like kind of, I was kind of bummed, actually. I was like, God, I wish there was a shortcut I could 
say, you know, is there a five-minute way to reaching your destiny? Or, you know, but there isn't. You know, there, there's no shortcut. It's, it's through the tried and true methods, right, of, 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 of embracing the battle, of being like, God, you know, you, you say I'm more than a conqueror, and so bring it on. Bring the battle. Bring the conflict because I want to grow, and I want to become stronger. The new only comes when the old is shaken down. Fear topples only when faith rises up. Greater glory comes only through the testing of the valley. And promotion in the kingdom of God comes only when we face the battle and we seek God. That's the message for tonight, and let us pray. Father, I just pray over um, all of us tonight, Lord. You know specifically what each person is facing, uh, the trial, maybe it's the confusion, maybe it's a tremendous fear. Every situation is unique. But God, I pray that, um, that you would give us the grace, Lord, that as we seek you, you'd give us the grace to get to that greater glory, Lord that you would strengthen us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if, that, if, we've, if we've kind of ran away from the fight, if we've kind of grown discouraged, that you would encourage our spirits, Lord, and that this is, this is normal, Lord, that we should consider it joy because that there is a reward at the end, that there is a provision at the top of the mountain, Lord, that you haven't forsaken us, you haven't left us, you haven't forgot about us in this season, and in fact, the reason why you've allowed this season, God, is so that you can take us to a greater place. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to shake what needs to be shaken and that you would strengthen um, what you want strengthened, Lord. And I pray that every person here would build upon the rock and that you would show us, Lord, areas or lies or things that we believe, things that, we, that are of the world and, and, and things that are of the kingdom, God because we want to be a people who are unshaken. And so, God, I just pray just for a blessing over every person night of just peace, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.